You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf, and Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens, and running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three, Jackson takes it himself, look at him turn back and forth, oh, he broke his ankles, now he's got an entourage, and he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini, what a play, 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. This is Antonio Barbera. We have come a full year around here of Pod Like a Raven. And to just signal that cycle, I don't know if you guys realized we have that beautiful new intro edited by our very own, and this is how I'm going to just introduce him, by our very own sort of in-house co-host slash production expert, Tim Horsey. Had to change some uh, some highlights there because some of those players are no longer on the Ravens for various reasons, but also to get some fresh highlights in from the 14-2 and two season last year. So I'm excited for football. I'm excited to introduce Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? It's going good, man. Um, yeah, anytime you can get, he is Houdini with Lamar Jackson in there, you have to do it. So I figured, freshen it up for the new season because, boys, I don't know if you know this, the NFL season is two weeks away, or less than that at this point. It feels like it's about four months away still just because of the weird state of the world. But we are less than two weeks out from Ravens football. I cannot wait. And just – and. Reliving some of those highlights to put that open together made me that much more excited. All the signifiers that football's around the corner really haven't existed. I mean, when I was younger, it used to be like the summer was ending and school was just starting, and that meant football was happening. Then it was like I would take a vacation in August every year, and then that would mean when I came back, football was starting. Preseason football games would also help to tell me that football was starting. And we've had, I personally have had none of those things this summer. Jace, 
Evans over in Los Angeles, you've probably been having summer for the past eight months. Uh, I'll use this as an introduction for you. How are you doing and how are you feeling about football season being back? Uh, doing, uh, yeah, feeling great about football. It definitely feels weird and different this year, but uh, the college season, believe it or not, did at least play one game starting the other night. Uh, they kicked off Saturday night. Uh, a thrilling uh, Central Arkansas Austin P matchup. So, uh, ready, you know, ready for the uh, the more professionals, the the little higher quality football to be uh, played. Less pooch punts by the QB, those kinds of things. So, yeah, I'm jazzed up. I'm ready to go. It's it, it's September. It's hard to believe. Uh, it's been a weird year, but football season is is back again and ready to you know fill the next seventeen plus weeks with it. <laughs> so we at Pod Like a Raven, including this episode, basically have two episodes before the NFL season begins. So just to outline what we're going to talk about today and next week, just going to cover a few Ravens news and notes this week, preview the Ravens and the AFC North sort of as a whole, um, and then look at some NFL general news and notes. We are not going to get into the over-unders this week. We've decided to save that, save those, those tasty predictions for next week where we will cover the final Ravens roster, which will also happen in the, in the next week or so as they get down to 53 players. Uh, we'll look at over-unders, and then we'll preview Ravens week one against the Cleveland Browns. But for now, let's get into the Ravens news and notes from, from the past week, and not too much to go on uh, to, to talk about after our emergency episode last week with the Earl Thomas uh, saga, let's call it. But for now, it's Roster cuts happening quite literally as we speak. Some guys, some lesser-known players got cut today, which is Monday, uh, for us recording. Still at around 80 players have to get down to 53 with apparently a rash of cuts coming later this week. Just want to get you guys' thoughts on uh, the last few opportunities these players have to prove that they belong on the Ravens roster. Uh, Any other thoughts about the the 53 guys that are going to represent the team? Not really. I mean, you're looking at we've we've talked. We don't have to go in detail about some of the positions that are kind of key position battles. I just think it's interesting. More of the only way that you know we call ourselves fans first before Ravens reporters or anything like that. The only thing that we get now is tweets from Jamison Hensley and Jeff Zarebeck <laughs> from practice about who is performing. There are no preseason games, as you mentioned. So it's the luster of who's going to make the roster. This guy keeps stepping up. I am still watching this preseason game in the fourth quarter because I want to see the fourth stringers do their thing. And I'm just addicted to this sport completely and this team. (laughs) We don't get any of that this year, which I think is odd and also kind of dampens this whole, who is going to be the 53rd guy on the roster, um, you know, debate that we would absolutely be having uh, if, if that the preseason games are still being played. Yeah, the only thing I've really seen out of it is it kind of seen – I don't remember. I was looking on Twitter today if it was Hensley or Zarebeck tweeting about this, as Tim mentioned. But uh seems like Terrell Adams is going to be that third-string tight end. That was one of the <laughs> uh, the things we were talking about. Seems like it's solidified on him. That really seems to be the only kind of decision. But, but as predicted on Pod Like a Raven, it seems like Pat Ricard is going to get more time as that third tight end as well. Which, wonderful. <laughs> More, the ball in his hand more, sign me up. <laughs> so we'll bring you the final we'll, – we'll discuss more of the names 
next week. I, I agree with you guys, not being able to see a lot of this. I, I don't feel as concerned from a Ravens perspective, just looking at how the preseason was handled last year with this team, when Harbaugh had all these mysterious comments about how the Ravens offense was going to revolutionize the NFL. And you saw basically none of it in the preseason, in those preseason games. Uh, Lamar Jackson barely used in a lot of those games, which means they sort of were able to build everything they wanted to build and, and try out offensively without having to go through um, you know, serious competitive reps in, in these preseason games. And yet they still had this uh, awesome complex offense to start week one and they happened to score 59 points. So I'm not too, too concerned about it. You know, we, we trust the, the staff to, to make the decisions of who should stay and who should go, but I guess more mysterious that we, we don't get to see it and, and be as on board with decisions as we would be if we had seen some of these fringe players uh, play a few games, but all right. So one other little uh, note out of Ravens camp this week, uh, and this was um, brought up by Tim as a good thing to go over here, specifically because of Lamar Jackson's sort of mysterious groin tweak, injury, soreness. We don't know exactly what it was. Uh, a story from ESPN, Tim, uh, Jamison Hensley talking about the Ravens being sort of quiet with how many carries Lamar Jackson's going to get this season and how many how many designed runs Jackson's going to get. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so on on Monday, Greg Roman spoke to the media and they kind of asked him because it's been a, it's been a talking point. It, for scrambling QBs, you because of the risk of injury and we had to talk Antonio off the ledge last week uh, about the <laughs> groin injury. They basically have asked Greg Roman is he going to run as as much as he did last season in these designed runs, which I'll have you know. He ran for 1,206 yards last season, obviously the NFL single-season record for a quarterback. He had 135 design runs in 2019, which is five more than he had uh, the previous season, although he didn't play as much, clearly. Those are the two highest totals by any quarterback in a season since ESPN Stats and Info began tracking this in 2006. This all comes from Hensley's piece at ESPN.com. And all Greg Roman had to say is, quote, I think we'll all have to wait and find out with a wry <laughs> smile, clearly coming from the Harbaugh camp of we're not going to give the media anything. Um, I think it's Lamar Jackson. And part of what makes him so good is he's always just considered himself a quarterback. He always talks about how running on passing type plays is very much his last resort. He's way better at looking through his options uh, than most people give him credit for before he takes off. And when he does, he's, he's incredible at it, but I brought I brought this to the table more because I just want to talk to you guys. What do you think about – it's not even a pitch count or anything, but how do you balance putting all these design runs, which were clearly pretty successful for the team last season, um, or maybe even limiting that? I mean, in Jackson's two NFL seasons, again, this comes from the article, he has had 265 design runs. That's 159 more than any other quarterback in the National Football League, with Josh Allen being second with 106 over the last two seasons. So clearly he's going to run the ball. Um, It's part of what makes the Ravens' offense so dangerous. But is there a case for maybe limiting the designed runs for Jackson just to prevent that, you know, that injury? Because that one serious injury, and look, Ravens fans, the season is over. We'll still be here every Monday talking, but that, that is the long and short of it. RG3 is not leading this team to the promised land. It's not <laughs> happening. So, Jace, I'll start with you. What, how do you balance 
the team's success versus keeping him healthy in terms of those types of uh, plays? I think that is going to be the million-dollar question his entire career because he is such, uh, you know, a unicorn, a unique player. I mean, it's uh, I. This was the first time seeing this and reading through this article this afternoon. You know, Jackson has this uh, per Caesars at least the same odds to win the rushing title as he does to lead the league in passing. Uh, that's astounding. <laughs> Um, like how many, I probably no players have ever been on that list before in the history of the NFL. Um, so, you know, I think you always want to be careful with him. And I do think it's probably not the worst idea to just, you know, you don't want to say purposely put him in danger, but you know, you're opening up a lot more injury risk. I mean, you can get injured on every play, right? It's the NFL, but you do take some shots as a runner, as uh, legalized and legislated by the NFL rules that allow you to just get demolished when you <laughs> go outside that pocket, as opposed to, um, you know, the pretty protective quarterback rules we have. Um, so I, I think you probably, like, especially, you know, I mean, right now he's only 23, so age isn't a factor. But as he gets older, you imagine that rolls back just naturally based on, you know, speed uh propensity to injury but you don't want to have at the like you mentioned you don't want to hamstring your team so i trust in the coaching staff to find that balancing act i do think there will probably be less designed runs i think especially too perhaps you know it's hard to contain a speed but it's a thing i think teams can at least the more they see it marginally prepare for him a little more in these designed runs so I think we will see less and less of them. But I think Lamar's gotten better as a passer, too. So I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I just think long-term, probably we will see less and less of him, these design runs over the years. The, you know, the one aspect is what will the coaching staff do? Are they going to limit his design runs or not? The, the other aspect sort of falls on Jackson's shoulders. He, if he wants to run less or if there will be fewer design runs, He's going to have to improve some of the throws that I think all three of us can admit he was not great at last season. I mean, yeah, the guy won MVP. He did 99 out of 100 things, you know, way above average. But in a situation where teams are going to defend certain throws against him, can he complete that 12-yard out to the sideline consistently um, and not have it be sort of a tough play for him? He completed some deep balls but wasn't, you know, as great as, as you would hope. Um, if he hasn't made those improvements as a passer, a lot of the offensive breakdown is going to have to stay the same in terms of what he, you know, bringing his skills to the table, getting first downs, moving the chains. If he has made those small improvements in certain areas, that's how you'll be able to dial back some of these design runs because on a play like third and seven, where they would love to send him on a design run last <laughs> year and on numerous occasions, um, they're going to have more confidence in having him throw, uh, you know, like an out to, to, to one of the wide receivers to get a first down at the, at the sticks. So that's one aspect of this is, is how improved is he on those types of throws. The other aspect to say that just mathematically his runs are going to be down is what the Ravens <laughs> have done in the backfield. Personnel wise, they have so much talent behind him in the backfield that it, if you're going to get those guys touches and why wouldn't you want to get JK Dobbins, you know, 10 to 12 touches, Ingram, 10 to 12 touches, and the other backs as well, getting, Gus Boss getting, getting in there as well. 
there's just the only so many offensive plays. So I, I think one way to pull away from these designed runs is to give some carries to Dobbins, but it's going to be a mix of, I think, both both things. If, if they're running into third and sevens, third and eights, and he still hasn't improved on some of those struggle, you know, passes that some of those fluttery uh, spirals that he had last season, I think the runs are going to be very, very similar. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even think about the talent in the backfield aspect of it. And it's funny because we've talked about that for basically the entire offseason since J.K. Dobbins was drafted, that they have so many more weapons now that you're not going to have to worry about Mark Ingram getting tired. Gus Bus is not the second option. He might even be the third option. He's the best third option in the NFL, bar none. Um, so I that's the point I take. I mean, and not to really just to echo you, Antonio, but the the passing thing is, is a brilliant point with Lamar. I mean, everybody wants to sit here and say, Lamar Jackson, MVP, obviously we love him. He's the second coming, yada, yada, yada. The fact of the matter is, though, he still definitely needs to improve as a passer. I think there's this level of you have all these people that are like, oh, he's just a running back. He's just a running back. He's just a running back. And so many people want to push against that that it almost overrates his passing ability um, at this point in time anyway. I, I still think he's a good passer. I think he's a good quarterback, clearly. But because he's had to fight through this thing so much, especially us us Baltimoreans, we are – fighting so hard that it almost inflates in our own head how good he is as a passer which you know he's he's got room to improve so I think in my opinion they're probably going to try and not run the ball as much with Lamar intentionally but that is not like he's going to be a pocket guy anytime soon because he's too special to be that every week I feel like I've said this uh, several times during these episodes but Every week, I just sort of find a YouTube highlight of some game from last season, and just just go back and watch the design runs, the runs where he just is a design pass and he's outside of the pocket and just makes guys look silly. It's gonna be gonna be another fun season for for Baltimore Ravens fans. So, all right, let's get the random Raven in now. We're gonna do this a bit earlier than normal um, because for a, then a nice chunk of this episode, we're gonna dive into previewing, previewing the Ravens as a whole and then the rest of the AFC North. So, Tim. You got us this week. You know the word is out that we've got a doozy. So I'm dying to know who is your random Raven this week. This guy is so random that I struggled to find clues for him. Um, so <laughs> I mean, you know, I think <laughs> I think there's some stuff here. Well, look, I, we're we're running out of the guys that are like, oh yeah, remember him, and we're really digging into the weeds now a little bit. Um, like you said, Antonio, at the top, we've been doing this for a year now, so. We've gone through a lot of guys. This is episode number 45. We've gone through 44 other Ravens. A full, a full roster. <laughs> We're almost there. We're almost there. We don't have to make any cuts quite yet. Uh, so here we go. Here's the random Raven. Clue number one. This player was drafted in the sixth round of the 2008 NFL draft out of Cincinnati. Clue number two. He only played for two teams in his career, the Baltimore Ravens and the Carolina Panthers. Clue number three. In the 2010 playoffs, he actually intercepted Chiefs quarterback Matt Castle in the wildcard round, if you remember anything about that game. Clue number four. He featured in 56 of 64 regular season games during his four seasons in Baltimore, but he didn't start one. However, 
When he moved to Carolina in 2012, he started 13 times. He only played one season in Carolina. In clue number five, the number he wore is currently being worn by Justice Hill. Oh, boy. I I have some additional stuff if, if you need it now or I can save it till the end of the show. Um, I, I, can give you... I have a name, but I can't imagine him being on the Ravens that long. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you one clue here. And this this probably won't help, but this just sticks out to me completely. Um, during the year that Ed Reed kept having those super long interception returns, the one he had against Kevin Cobb and the Eagles, Reed is running down the sidelines. And at the very end, and Antonio's got it, I think. I'm mad that it. I'm mad that it took this clue because it was there. It was there for the taking, and I'm upset. I'm sorry. Continue, Tim. You're good. At the at the tail end of this play, Reed has gone 100. And, he goes 108, I think, to the house. <laughs> yeah. And this guy rather, and he's losing gas. And rather than trying to deliver the final block because there's one player chasing Reed, he's looking for the pitch. Because Ed Reed's going to give that ball up at the five. I'm so sure. So it, I've always been upset at that. I remember screaming at the TV like, blank, block him, block him, instead of looking for the touchdown. Um, and for whatever reason, that's one of the more memorable moments from this guy. Uh, so this is our random Raven this week. Maybe that helped. Maybe that didn't. Uh, and I have a fun fact at the end uh, for this guy, too, which may might help some people. That is... An awesome. It's a deep cut choice. <laughs> That's a deep. It's a deep cut, but it's not. It's not even that. Like, like he played. He played. He, played. he wasn't he played. just like a dude for six months. Yeah, I love it, Tim. That's a great, uh, great, great deep deep track that you pulled out there. And we will answer that at the end of the episode. Jace was uh, was this the name that you thought before that last I, clue? I think so. I. Just don't recall him being around that long, so that's the confusing part for me. But uh, yeah, I think I know who it is. All right, so we'll we'll have Tim reveal that at the end. Let's go now to boys. Let's get into it here. The Ravens and the AFC North. Ravens division winners. The past two seasons, two years ago, maybe more surprising than it was last season. So we're going to talk we're going to touch on all these different teams as we continue this conversation. But let's start with the Ravens as the listeners probably would want and then we'll <laughs> jump into those other teams. Guys, 14 and 2. Lamar, we all know. We've talked about it week in week out. Playoff disappointment. They made a lot of changes this offseason, some that they wanted to make, some that they had to make. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go first here. I don't want to steal too much of this stuff. So let's go around the horn. Tim, let's start with you. First thoughts on previewing this team as we jump into it. We're in September now, talking Ravens football. Uh, you can start with some general thoughts, start with specific thoughts on what you see coming out of Baltimore this year. I have never been as excited and also as terrified as I am for a season. Um, I've probably been as terrified before, just seeing as I'm the ultimate pessimist when it comes to this team. <laughs> to be rivaled by the guy who's about to speak after me, by the way. Um, clearly, this is the most exciting team that this team that Baltimore fans have ever known, in, in Ravens history anyway. Uh, the most electric player in the National Football League is starting quarterback. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got a stud wide receiver that looks like he's gained about 15 pounds of muscle and is ready to go fully healthy. <laughs> They've added one of the best defensive linemen in the league for, for nothing essentially in Calais Campbell. 
Um, the running game is only getting stronger. All of that being said, the pass rush hasn't really been addressed. Marcus Peters is one of the streakiest players in the league, so I don't expect him to be as good as he was last season. The offensive line is a huge question mark and one of the most important aspects of any football team. Uh, the classic, if you don't hear from them, they're doing well. I think we're going to hear from some of these guys this year, unfortunately. <laughs> and then the weight of expectation. Um, we talked about this a little bit, and I don't want to go t- you know, too far in a rant. I want to let you guys have your say. I think the expectations are getting a little out of control with this team. Um, I still think they're the best team in the AFC North. I still think that they're going to win the division. I don't think there's any way they're even going to sniff 16-0. and And I think the road to the Super Bowl, even with an expanded playoff format, um, and may, that might even be to the detriment of a good team like the Ravens, who are probably going to be in it anyway, um, is going to make this all that much tougher. Uh, so... Yeah, in general, to wrap up that incredibly (laughs) vague point, I'm very excited, but at the same time, I'm really worried to to have a like a trap game that the team loses. You know, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I can see them just losing like a stupid game to the Bengals, which is something they didn't do last year. But that's in the Ravens' DNA; it happens all the time. But people, (laughs) but people are going to lose their minds because not only is the Baltimore media all looking at this team, but the national media is, and everything is going to get blown out of proportion, either good or bad. So, yeah, like let's just do it. I'm 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 tired of just talking about how good this team is going to be. I want to see it on the field, but I'm also like kind of going to be hiding behind the couch the first couple weeks for sure. For me, I think Tim's final point is kind of what I keep circling back to. Like, you know, aside from like winning the Super Bowl, I guess you're not going to have a better season than going 14 and 2. Like, the odds of them just going 15 and 1 this year or 14 and 2 again are so incredibly slim. Uh, the NFL is just too hard year over year. Um, you know, the Ravens were dominant at times, but they. You know, they escaped with their share of games. They could have lost to the San Francisco 49ers last year. Easily could have lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier in the season. Um, so it just requires, you know, a lot of things have to go right uh, to go 14-2. and And even though I think the Ravens are a good team and probably a great team, uh, it's hard to envision them going 14-2 and again. I think, you know... Even going twelve and four, people will be like, "Oh, they fell back to earth." It's just like, well, that's still really good. <laughs> like fourteen and two is just you know a transcendent season versus uh, you know a really really good season, which is what you know twelve and four. We've seen many Ravens teams go twelve and four over the years now because uh, we're a spoiled fan base in many ways. But um, uh, yeah, I just think it's going to be so hard to replicate that again. Uh, despite how good I think the team is, which I think it might even has the potential to be a better team on paper, but I just don't think the record will end up reflecting that. And so, Jace, you lead into my point. I feel like I, you know, we've, uh, I, I, I tend to be, I try to be a little more op- uh, optimistic <laughs> than my two co-hosts here, and that's the balance that you want in a, in a good in a good talk show. You're fighting the good fight. <laughs> it, it, it sort of worked out for me. 
just by luck last year, so I'm probably you know doomed for for next season to just take the op- <laughs> optimistic take to way too many times. But all the points are true. They are worse at offensive line this year than they were last year, or there's at least more question marks this year than there were last year. Tim, I am so prepared for Peters to be worse this year than he was last year. It, <laughs> I don't want to say like it's guaranteed. But it's just so perfect that an uber-aggressive guy who got paid this offseason is now going to regress or make mistakes that he didn't make. But also the team went 14. If they regress, and there's going to be a natural regression for the whole team, they were still 14-2. and two. Like, if they regress <laughs> to 12-4, and four, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, as the playoffs go this year with only one team getting a bye and then just everybody else in the league going to the playoffs, seemingly... <laughs> they're going to be in that nice little spot where they, yes, they have to play three games, but they're going to be in the playoffs unless, you know, dramatic things happen. Also, yeah, they got worse at some positions. They got better on the defensive line. They got younger and and invested a first-round draft pick at linebacker. Their running backs are deeper than they were last year, with Ingram getting hurt at the worst possible moment of the entire season. In theory, now you have another dude that you can throw out there, um who should be, you know, better, more explosive than than, than the Gus Bus, for example. <laughs> They're better at wide receiver this year than they were last year when they had Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts as their two, like, these are the guys that are going to catch all the passes. They're not going to be those dudes. <laughs> they regress a few games. They go 12-4, and 11-5. They're in the playoffs. They have a home game week one that we're going to be equally as nervous about. But I, I still think there's <laughs> so much positivity around this team so I outlined at the end, best case, best case scenario, 16-0. If everything, best case scenario, they could win every single game that they play this year. They're going to be favored in most of them, with that Chiefs game being the tastiest one uh, week three. I, th- I believe week three this season. Worst case scenario, Mark Andrews gets hurt a few weeks in, and, and there's no playmaking tight end that Lamar relies on. Lamar gets banged up after a few games, and he's got multiple injuries. He's not running as much because he's limited. Peters does exactly what we all think Peters is going to do, and the team has no pass rush. Th- those things can all happen one month into the season, and we're reassessing all of this. But the middle ground of that, isn't that a 12-4 and team? So I- I'm still very excited uh, about the Ravens as, as a general... Uh, a general thought here. Do you guys have any more thoughts? I have a, a question for you both, but if you want to circle on this still, uh, yeah. jump in. Yeah, I do. Just because I I think one of the worst case scenario things that you don't point out is that the offensive line is a disaster. I keep coming back to it because it can be a problem. You can scheme all you want. I don't care what kind of talent you have in the backfield. If you can't block the guys in front of you, it doesn't matter. Mark Ingram's not going to be able to break tackles three, four yards behind the line every single time. Lamar can't make everyone miss. He can make (laughs) almost everyone miss, but he can't make everyone miss every single time. The offensive line, and I said it last year, and luckily I was, you know, I I didn't really say it was going to be the main issue, but I said, if the offensive line struggles, this team struggles. And it's the same thing again. It It sounds basic. It sounds boiled down. But it's the truth. When this team, when they all they want to do is run the ball, they reinforce that with drafting J.K. Dobbins, arguably the best running back in this class, in the second round. They want to run the football. But to run the football, you have to be able to block the guys in front of you. And that, that even over the pass rush, even over Peters, even over 
maybe Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison take a while to get adjusted to those middle linebacker spots. Outside of all of that is my biggest concern. And my second biggest concern is, Antonio, I agree with you. A, A normal regression for this team still sees them go 11 and 5. I think injuries aside, which clearly can be a thing, injuries aside, I think the worst this team can do is second in the division and a wild card. Like, I think playoffs are bust. But the other problem with that is, and yes, they have a chip on their shoulder, the entire fan base, everybody in the media is going to be looking, well, let's see what happens when the playoffs come. Lamar hasn't done it in the playoffs yet. Yada, yada, yada. And that's going to be the whole talk for 17 weeks. And if all of a sudden they lose a trap game, oh, they're just thinking about the playoffs. they got to focus on the regular season. They're going to have to win these games. They even want to get there to prove themselves. And it's become this meat, like this just circus. And look, we're part of that. You guys listen to this show to get some of that. That's, it's, it's going to be talking points throughout the year. And, and trust me, I will be throwing my phone across the room when they lose that stupid game to the Bengals. And I will be on here firing brimstone the next Monday, screaming into this microphone because of it. I will be. But I just hope that, like, people – Jace, you made the great point. You know, they always talk about the team the year before the Super Bowl was probably more talented than the team that won the Super Bowl with Flacco. Everybody talks about that, and then obviously everything that happened, we don't have to get into it. I feel like this team, at least from a regular season standpoint, because when the playoffs come, who you know, who, who knows? This team, I think, is more talented than last year's team but people are going to criticize them more because they're not the 14-2 and two Lamar lighting everybody up every single week team. Um, the 4th and 1 against Seattle. The he is Houdini against the Bengals. Like, <laughs> you might not have those moments. This team might not win as many games, but this team, tell you what, if they have a couple of struggles in the regular season, might be more prepared for the playoffs as we get to it. So, I don't know. Again, we talk for a living, but I'm done talking. Let's just play the <laughs> damn games. Let's go. Yeah, just the final thought I have is this, you know, exactly what we were talking about. You want to, it's kind of the Patriots model, right? You want to give your team a chance to win the title every year. And even if, you know, the Ravens do have these problems, as Tim mentioned, I think the offensive line um, concern is valid. You know, they had a probably going to the Hall of Fame right guard who retired top of his game. You know, can't fault him for it. He put in, you know what hundreds of games for this franchise uh but that's a problem for the team to have to replace that especially without a real preseason to see like how did these guys play against like other defensive lines going full speed and stuff um so there's concerns but i think like similar to what we've seen in new england the last 20 years you know you just want to give your chance to win the title by getting into the playoffs and building this sustained thing and it seems like the Ravens are building that. Uh, that And, you know, with the Patriots, we've seen years where they're not as good or they're way good, but they still kind of go 11-5, 12-4, 13-3 every year. Um, and I think that's, you know, kind of what we've seen the, the Ravens hopefully move into the last few years with Lamar. It's kind of this era where they're just giving themselves a chance every year. So, yeah, while I think the record's probably worse than last year and to all years' uh, points, there's definitely going to be, you know, more attention on them. Lamar isn't, uh, this isn't brand new from Lamar, whatever we'll see next year, presumably, or uh, this season in two weeks. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it, you know, there's going to be more attention on them. And until they, you know, win a playoff game, they'll, you'll have your, your talking heads out there and 
Uh, I shudder to think what the Baltimore sports talk radio will become if Lamar somehow fell to 0-3 in the playoffs. But, uh, um, yeah, you can only give yourself a chance, and I think the Ravens, you know, have done a good job of doing that. So, very excited. Um, This probably will be a more aggravating season, I'm sure, given just the conversation around the team. uh, You know, as Tim mentioned, they'll lose one game, and... uh, That'll set the world ablaze, but uh, at least in the Baltimore sports Twitter sphere. But you have to love where they're at, and I think to your point, Antonio, they regress and they go twelve and four. That's you know still a damn good season. So, <laughs> uh, a few general points about the team schedule wise uh, that we talked on maybe months ago and haven't really touched on again. That it should, in theory, work in the Ravens' favor. Last year's strength of schedule, much harder than what this year's strength of schedule is. Last year, the Ravens played two West Coast games. They had to travel out West multiple times. Uh, this year, they will not have to do that. They travel the fewest, I believe. It's it's in the either in the top five or number one. I think it is one. The fewest miles of any team in the NFL this year in terms of having to travel. And when you think of, like, coronavirus times of how big of a mess that's going to be in a wrench in the season i mean who knows what the tangible benefit benefits of that are going to be but i would certainly rather a year like this the team be traveling a lot less than uh, a lot more so we'll see how that how the schedule works i have a question for you guys still for the ravens here i'm curious as to who are you most excited by who are you most looking forward to watching this year outside of lamar jackson that's too easy of an answer so in terms of an addition that the, that the Ravens brought in, a free agent addition, one of the rookies on the team, a guy that's been there and you just want to see him take that leap, Lamar's side. Who do you guys have? Uh, let's start with Jace first. Jace, who is a player that you are most looking forward to watching this year or seeing what what they uh, what they can do? Um, I want to see J.K. Dobbins run the ball. Uh, he was awesome at Ohio State, and I want to see – you know, how he translates to the NFL, uh, how he works with Lamar, how he differs from Mark Ingram, um, and if they can really become kind of a true sort of tandem. Uh, I know that's a simple answer, you know, the other skill, the other new skill player, um, but, you know, he's going to probably get the ball a, a fair amount. You spent a second round pick on him, so um, I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, he should be you hope dynamic and just what he can add uh, to the Ravens offense. So I have a couple, but there is one that immediately popped to mind when you first said this. So before that, the other early round draft pick, Patrick queen, (laughs) middle linebacker flying around the ball, man. I can't wait to see that guy in a Ravens uniform, even though he's wearing a forties in the line (laughs) as a linebacker. That bothers you all a lot more than it bothers me. I think it's cool. Just, (laughs) It grinds my gears, as they say. Um, another guy is our third tight end slash fullback, Pat Ricard. Like Jay said, <laughs> watching that. Slash defensive lineman. Slash nose tackle, Pat Ricard. Uh, easily becoming one of my favorite Ravens of all time. Anytime that big boy gets the ball in his hands, I'm ready to watch him run. <laughs> and then another, you talk about big gentlemen. I'm going on the defensive line. Calais Campbell, a man who has probably been underrated his entire career because of where he's been in Jacksonville and Arizona, but a mountain of a man, a pro bowler almost year in and year out at this point, a force on the defensive line. 
I just want to watch that man manhandle tackles and guards over and over and over again. Um, and I'm just super excited to watch him. And, you know, with with an off or a defensive line, excuse me, that was a little yeah, – they were fine last year, but I think they've certainly improved, and he's one of the best in the league. So I can't wait to watch him do it. I love those picks. I'm going to go with uh, a trio, a trident, if you will, with <laughs> one name at the top that I think you both know who it's going to be. But I'm going to start with – Two guys put them together. Devin DuVernay, James Prochet. Let's see some talented, speedy wide receivers who, hey, know how to catch the football, which is such a smart draft strategy for the Ravens to go with. Draft guys who don't drop passes. Well, and at the top of that... They've tried the other approach in the past. So. They have. They have. <laughs> and at the top, y'all know who it is. It's Marquise Hollywood Brown. I've said his name so many times. I view a, a great friendship between the two of us in the next five years. <laughs> uh, I'm viewing a thousand-yard season. I'm viewing Antonio Brown light. Not full-on Antonio Brown. And I'm talking skills on the field, nothing else outside of that. I think he has a thousand yards receiving. I think he puts up in the eight to ten touchdowns this year. And I, I'm just, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for a talented wide receiver. And the jersey may be purchased uh, early doors this football season. Nah, let's kick off tomorrow. Come on. <laughs> Why do we have to wait two weeks? Damn. All right, let's move. We're going to pivot now to the other teams in the AFC North. But feel free, guys, to sprinkle back in any Raven stuff that, that you would like to bring in, such as the fact that the next three teams we talk about will all have to face the Ravens twice this year. So just, they all start 0-2. All three of these teams start the season 0-2. And let's go let's go backwards. Let's start with the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're talking we're about get, them again. We are, Tim, we're gonna, we, ha, we have to, they're, we're starting fresh with them. They have, in theory, who they hope to be a competent to above average quarterback, especially starting in year one as a rookie, but we got to talk about these Bengals, Tim. If you want to give them 30 seconds and then move on, I understand, but they're trying to get better, Tim. How much better are they going to be? A.J. Green, healthy, uh, added a few interesting guys uh, defensively to fix what was just a porous defense last year. And then the dude, Joe Burrow at quarterback, uh, who apparently, again, no preseason, we're just talking about practices and training camp, has looked good uh, early on for, for Cincinnati. What what do we see from this team uh, in year one of the of the new project? I mean, it's all on Burrow, right? Like that's he. I think as he goes, the team goes. Um, so I I still think they'll be bad. <laughs> I still think the Bengals will not be good, but. They definitely weren't as bad as even their record indicated at last year, I don't think. So, I mean, <sighs> I don't know. I We can move on. I don't have much to say about the Bengals. What it's the, all Burrow. And this, and this is why when Antonio asked me to start, I was going to give a moment of silence because I really don't feel like talking about him. But I, there you, was such a long pause. I, I didn't know what we were... If you want my, word, if you want my advice here, my, my thoughts on the Bengals, fine. I'll bring them back <laughs> until they prove me wrong. I, I'll, I'll put it this way. DJ Reader, good nose tackle to go alongside Geno Atkins. That's formidable up front. The offensive line, they barely did anything to improve. 
And uh, Joe Burrow, I'm worried about him in maybe year two, three, four, and five. I don't care about him this year because they're just not good enough. I love it. When I tell you what, Tim, if the Ra- uh, if the excuse me, if the Bengals start out zero and four, we just punt on on Bengals coverage. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> but if they manage to scrape out a few wins, we're gonna have to have to talk about them a little bit. I'm looking at the schedule now. The Bengals play the Ravens in what is week five. And then week 17. At the very end. Yep. That's going to be such a t- a beautiful little annoying game to have to play week 17 based on the Ravens' playoff implications. Somehow the 20th time they've played the Bengals to end the season in the last 10 years alone. Huh? Right. <laughs> so that's that, that was talking Bengals here on Pod Like a Raven. Let's go now to the next two teams that are going to be much more in contention for the AFC North this year. I'm going to give a, just a spicy hot take on this first team, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> They, <laughs> I don't want to say they, they haven't done a ton. They've sort of made their moves at the margins and then gotten what should be a competent head coach. Tim, we're going to start with you this time. Is it finally the Browns' year to make a little bit of noise? <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> we're on a freaking Ravens podcast, and you want me to to compliment the Cleveland Browns here? It's not going to oh, happen. Well, they don't... <laughs> They could. Can they go nine and seven? Ready? Can they go Ready? ten and six? Here you go. Here, here is the compliment I'll give them. They don't have Freddie Kitchens at, at head coach anymore, and they hired somebody who seems to be a little bit competent in uh, Kevin Stefanski. Uh, in, in all seriousness, they they got their left tackle, or what they hope is their left tackle, and they got their right tackle in Jack Conklin out of Tennessee. Uh, one of the big free agent signings uh, when that was a thing. It seems like years ago at this point. <laughs> Um, and then Austin Hooper, they paid way too much money for, but a good tight end, another weapon for Baker Mayfield. Um, the 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 offensive line was a big problem for them, and um, I think Baker is way overrated. But that's a whole different conversation. Um, but yeah, I think I think improving that with with Jedrick Wills, and you know, Jace can speak more to him being our college football guy, uh, coming out of Alabama to be that left tackle, and then. Conklin the right tackle solidifying those two spots as we've seen with Stanley and Orlando Brown is so so important so I think that offense can start to live up to the hype a little bit if Baker doesn't throw four picks a game and then on the defensive end of the ball I don't know it's just fine like Miles Garrett is back now um, because he didn't get a lifetime ban for slamming a helmet into somebody's head but outside of that their defense doesn't really impress me and I think that could be sort of the weak point for them going forward. Well, and, and they t- had a big blow there. They drafted, you know, Grant Delpit, Thorpe Award winner, pretty high in the second round. He was an early second round pick, and uh, he tore his Achilles. So he's not going to, you know, be playing for them uh, this year, which unfortunate for him. Um, yeah, I think similar to our Bengals conversation, it kind of all comes back to Baker Mayfield because, uh, you know, They've given him the keys, the tools seemingly to succeed, you know. How good is Jack Conklin? How good will Jedrick Wills be? That's kind of hard to say. But, um, you know, they both kind of played right tackle in college, or uh, in uh, Conklin in the pros, uh, Wills in college. Um, So one of them has to be their left tackle. So (laughs) it uh, remains to be seen kind of how that kind of shakes out. But they have made improvements, and they still, you know, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry as, you know, 
Beckham stats keep decreasing the more he plays NFL football, which is interesting. But uh, he's still good, and Landry's still pretty good, probably underrated, honestly. Um, you know, he torched the Ravens last year. But uh, it's all going to just fall on Baker. How good can he be? They've, you know, putting him in position to succeed, and they go... And they get Kevin Stefanski, but I don't know. We can't assume he's going to be. He's also a first-time head coach, and Al has had, like... I, I think I had read he wasn't even in, like, Ohio for the first few months because of coronavirus and stuff. So, you know, breaking in a brand-new first-time head coach... I don't know how we thought... And people thought Henry, Freddie Kitchens, like, on the outside, at least, the media people thought he was going to be a decent coach, right? Like, you didn't see a lot of, like... You didn't see a lot of, oh, this guy's going to stink. Like, okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because, because maybe about a week in, everybody went, oh, wait, this is this guy is going to stink. Why did they hire this guy? This is a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, it became obvious quick, but I don't I don't remember a lot of, hey, Freddie Kitchens is bad, actually, articles being written, you know, last August. And we had a lot more, you know, access to these guys and a lot more preseason games and stuff. I don't know. I It's just so hard, I think, to judge a coach until he coaches a game. So I'm not re- prepared to say Kevin Stefanski will be a competent coach. And in fact, given the history of the Browns, I'm going to say he's probably going to get fired in three years. But Yeah, probably. But <laughs> real quickly, just not to avoid your question, uh, Antonio, I think, honestly, for this team, and, and we should mention if we haven't haven't yet already, uh, I know you mentioned the travel, but the AFC North teams are playing the AFC South and the NFC East this year. So in terms of strength of schedule, like you mentioned, not that difficult. The other two games you put in there for the Browns, they have the Jets and the Raiders. So it seems like it's all there for them to finally be a nine and seven team. Um, but because they're in the same division as the Baltimore Ravens and the next team we're going to talk about who objectively I am very high on, sadly, um, I think eight and eight is probably the ceiling for this team to be completely honest. And, and you make a good point. Conklin and Wills. I'm talking about how great the tackles are. Both of them are right tackles. And that is a very different position from left, especially when you have a quarterback who throws right-handed in Baker Mayfield who needs that blind side protected. So, I think it's still an improvement there. I think we – I am ready to assume that Stefanski is going to be an improvement on uh, Kitchens just That's because. Fair. Just because. Uh, so, for me, ceiling is 8-8, eight and eight, but, again, it's the Browns. You know, you can talk to me all you want about Cleveland finally being good. I need to see it first. My spicy take. I previewed it when we talked – started talking about the AFC North. I think the Browns will go to the postseason this year. Oh, man. With that seventh, I think they snag exactly that seventh spot. The newly newly created playoff seed for the Cleveland Browns to sneak in. I think they got a trusted guy in Conklin. And then they got the talented guy with with Wills. You know, the, the ceiling, uh, tall, high, high ceiling for uh, in terms of talent. One of them is going to play left tackle, either the guy that's solid or the guy that plays, you know, as as a top draft pick should. Um, I love the Austin Hooper thing as a small addition, the tight end. When you have a quarterback who's struggling or doesn't have confidence, guess who you need to turn to? Your shortest throw on the field, and that's that tight end. That's why Lamar loves uh, Mark <laughs> Andrews so much. It's the, the they're always called the the security blankets on the team, the tight ends. I think that ends up pairing really well with David and Joku for them. 
they had a rookie head coach last season. They had all of this hype piled on top of them, almost as much hype as the Ravens do this year, except they were 14-2 and two last year. The Browns were not good the season before, <laughs> and they still had all this hype piled on top of them. They started off, uh, I think they were 2-5, and 2-6 and six to start the year, and the season was over. If they manage the first few weeks, if they go 500, 2-2, two 3-3, and, two, three and three, I think they're going to build a confidence. They have so many skilled position guys that if you bring in an offensive mind, which Stefanski is, you figure out the pieces, you are just competent at running a football team, I think this team ends up going 9-7. and seven. That's all it has to take. Yeah. And, and they may finally snag a spot when nobody's talking about them this year, really, to, to win a lot of games. There's so much has calmed down. And I think they may sneak in. And I would love, love <laughs> to be wrong all season. Well, uh, we ahead, at least uh, don't have to watch them on national TV as much because they only have two primetime games this year set in stone as compared to the five to speak to your point on uh, a lot less hype about the Browns. And, you know, maybe that'll be good for them because you, you do always worry about, especially a team that hasn't accomplished anything, uh, when they get super hyped up, you're like... Hold your horses. Maybe like make the playoffs or have a winning record first. Um, <laughs> you know who's going to have a lot fewer television commercials this year during NFL games is Baker Mayfield. There's, yeah. there's, there's just so much less hype this year, and I think that's really going to benefit them. But there is one team that's going to be in their way, fighting for a wild card spot behind the Baltimore Ravens, and that's the last team we want to talk about here in the AFC North. We, we didn't have to worry about them so much last season, and then this season we probably will. Pittsburgh Steelers. I hate it. <laughs> guys, I'm going to turn to you. Ben Roethlisberger, in theory, back at the helm, leading what is a talented football team. Tim, thoughts on the Steelers competing with the Ravens for the AFC North title? Uh, first of all, yes, certainly. Um, remember when we all thought Ben was going to be out of the league early because he gets banged up all the time and hit? Dude is 38 years old, and he's still playing. You know, when he was in, not last season, obviously, with the injury, but the season before that, he threw for an NFL high 5,129 <laughs> passing yards, a career-high 34 touchdowns with Juju Smith-Schuster catching, or adding, excuse me, 1,426 of those yards to his resume. Um, and not only that, again, Jace kind of keeps going with this theme. It all relies on the quarterback. It all relies on the quarterback. It all relies on the quarterback. This in a different way. If Ben is anywhere to what Ben is, this team is going to be a problem. And you know why? It ain't Ben. It ain't Smith-Schuster. It ain't James Conner. It's that defense, which is steel curtain again, man. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick, one, a great pickup for them. It ended up being Joe Hayden on one side. Steven Nelson, who's one of the most underrated corners in the league. On the other side, don't I just I hate mentioning TJ Watt because he just has one of the most punchable faces in the National Football <laughs> League. But there he is, along with a guy like Bud Dupree, um, Devin Bush as well played very very well last season and is only going to get better. This defense is legit. This defense is going to be the one that causes the Ravens the most problem all season, twice and maybe even three times in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, simply for me, I th- I. <laughs> for lack of a better term, trust that Roethlisberger will be back at least to some sort of level that is close to his best. And because of that, uh, they are going to be, they're going to be dangerous. And don't forget, they added some weapons for him as well. Eric Ebron coming in from Indianapolis uh, to be another big body for him. So yeah, it sucks. The Steelers are back. It's horrible. 
I hate it. It's so annoying. Uh, I don't even know that Roethlisberger has to even be that good. He just has to be, like, not terrible, which is what, like, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges were for most of the season. They were they were really bad, especially down the stretch. Um, you know, I, the Steelers could have made the playoffs last year. I think they lost their last three games and scored, like, 16 points each time. They, uh... Yeah, they just need, like, 75% of Ben Roethlisberger, and this team should make the playoffs in the AFC. Uh, Their defense is nasty. It's probably the best the Steelers defense has been uh, in 10 years. (laughs) It's been a while, so it's probably the real Palomalu, you know, Harrison heyday there. Um, It's very annoying. It's going... The Ravens are going to... Is it on Thanksgiving they play the Steelers this year? Uh, They're going to, you know... Lose that game, and that'll annoy me. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I don't see the Ravens taking both against the Steelers this year. Um, I think they will drop one of those games. Um, and it's just, it's annoying that they're, like, probably good again. <laughs> they're the Ravens' biggest rival, you know. Whatever people can hide, try to hype up the Browns, but Raven Steelers always means more, and I don't like the prospect of actually going to Heinz Field when the team's good. <laughs> it's annoying, and uh, you know Lamar hasn't lost to the Steelers yet, I don't believe, or at least as a starter. Uh, so yeah, I um, I'm not happy about it. I think the Steelers, to Tim's point, I think the Steelers going to make the playoffs. Um, I think they'll definitely put pressure on the Ravens in the division race. I still think the Ravens win, but I don't think it's certainly going to be more of a challenge than last year, kind of how they ran away with things last year, uh, the Ravens did. So, yeah, I think the Steelers are good. I think uh, they're going to make the playoffs. And uh, that defense, you know, TJ Watt is annoying. He is good (laughs) as well. Um, The Minka Fitzpatrick trade... Seems like it worked out for certainly the Steelers, probably the Dolphins. Who knows? We'll find out. But Minka Fitzpatrick made, I think he was all pro last year. So, you know, trade a first round pick for an all pro safety. He was like 24. That seems like a good trade. So, yeah, Steelers are back. It sucks. Um, It's very annoying and I hate it. (laughs) In summary. Uh, I don't disagree. Also, Jace, I, I was nodding as you said. I think they play at Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving because I was saying yes, and then you said they're probably going to lose that game, and I just kept my nod going the entire <laughs> way all the way through that. However, I I agree with all the points. I hate we we all hate the Steelers. Their defense is terrifying. How much faith can you guys or do you guys have that Ben Roethlisberger is just going to be the same Ben Roethlisberger at 38 years old? Coming off of a, a unbel- like a very very challenging injury to his throwing arm, I think. I mean, I'm gonna end up looking so bad with this, but I think there could be shades of the like Peyton Manning thing, where like the injuries at a certain point, you're a certain age, where they just catch up to you. You look slow. The ball's not coming out with the same zip that it did beforehand. There's a very good chance the first two weeks of the season he's throwing like ducks that get intercepted. He threw some interceptions in his career before this, but could also just sling balls down. You know, how many deep balls did Lardarius Webb misplay in those primetime Ravens-Steelers games? But (laughs) I think there's a chance here that he just doesn't look sharp. He doesn't look strong. He's been throwing, like, beach balls in the offseason. That's, like, the progression that he had to get to where he could throw objects forward. I don't know 
how comfortable like any you know, Steeler Nation would be like expecting him to be the same exact guy uh, at this stage of his career and at this age. Just quickly on that, one, uh, Jace's point stands. He doesn't have to be great. He just has to be better than what they had last year. I think even if he's an average NFL quarterback, that's fine for them. And two, that Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl led by a, a incredibly good defense. So I wouldn't put that parallel out there because now you're scaring me even more. <laughs> uh, Tim's already seeing the, the screen printed stairway to seven shirts in his night. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, I think that's a fair point, Antonio. But the only pushback I'll have is it's Ben Roethlisberger, so he's just going to be fine and torture the Ravens. That's the only justification I have. It's not based in science or probably reality, but I'm just like, oh, yeah, he'll just, like, even if he stinks all season, he'll throw for, like, 340 yards against the Ravens on that Thanksgiving game. All right, so then give me, guys, as we wrap up the AFC North, predictions on top to bottom, including the Ravens, uh, standings, and just a guess as to how the records you think are going to look for those four teams. Um, off the top of my head, Ravens 12-4, and four, but they have to win that game against the Bengals, and it's one of the ugliest games you've ever seen to end <laughs> the year because the Steelers are going to go 11-5. and five. I'll go 7-9 and nine for the uh, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> and, and we're done and we're done with the answer and then, okay and then C- cincinnati six and ten we'll give him six i was gonna let you i was gonna let you uh keep keep that out uh jace how do you think it's gonna look um i also i'm gonna say ravens 12 and 4 um i'll put the steelers at 10 and 6 because i do i think the, their offense looks so bad at times that it can't just be on the QBs, right? Last year, like, they had some running issues. Uh, and I, you don't know where Ben Roethlisberger is because he is 38. It's hard to come back from an injury that bad. So I'm going to say 10-6 and because just the uncertainty with him, basically. Um, and then I will say the Cleveland Browns go 8-8. Eight and eight, And uh, the Bengals, if we must talk about them, I will say 4-12. and 12. <laughs> I'm very similar. The, the order, the standings for me are the same. Uh, I like the Steelers at 10 and 6, too. Jace, the Ra- Ravens at 12 and 4. Uh, Steelers at 10 and 6. I like the Browns at 9 and 7. That's the only difference from the two of you, I think. They have a winning record. Cleveland goes to party when they finally get the seventh, cheap seventh seed playoff spot. Uh, <laughs> and then I think the Bengals, I don't know, 5 and 11 for the Bengals, so somewhere in between your, your two predictions. They, they make improvements, Burrow shows promise, but they don't go anywhere in terms of competing. So that's how I look at it, and I love that Tim uh, Tim is jotting this down, and we will come back to this mid-season. We'll come back to this at the end of the season uh, and see how right we were. I guess that would put, uh, Jace, do you see the Browns with 8-8 eight and eight getting the, a playoff spot or out of the playoffs? <sighs> I must say they just miss, like continue the heartbreak. Like they don't have a losing season, but they also don't make the playoffs and everyone yes. leaves unhappy. <laughs> on like on like a twenty two yard field goal that they triple doink. <laughs> like even more than the double doink. And yeah, that, and like that knocks I don't out. know, like Phil Rivers and the Colts who lost that day fall like into that playoff spot or something. <laughs> Alright, so that's what that that would be perfect. That's what we see. Pod like a Raven feels that the AFC North is going to look. I love us all having the Ravens at twelve and four. I, I feel like I've like pulled you guys a little bit uh, in terms of 
This is a good team. We're going to be fine. It's going to be a fun season. All it took was gonna... the Ravens to be 14-2 and two to make me a more positive football fan. <laughs> for now. For now. We'll see. I can't wait till, till week one Twitter from Jace when oh, they're playing. Boy. The Cleveland Browns that I forgot to mention uh, here in this episode. Week <laughs> one at home, which I absolutely love the fact that they're playing at home. All right, guys. We're going to turn to the NFL. Not a ton to go over here in the NFL. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, who was a uh, defensive end for the Jacksonville Jaguars some chat here about whether or not he could maybe be a Raven he ended up getting traded to the Minnesota Vikings so bye Ngakwe you are now in the NFC not having to deal with Baltimore at all Leonard Fournette got cut from the Jacksonville Jaguars today um, which just sort of continues the sort of furthers the point of of running backs not being as valuable as you think as you know as as GMs may think or owners may think as he was a top five pick only if I think three or three or four years ago uh, and is now cut just before the start of the season we'll see if he gets picked up anywhere and then my last note and then if you guys have any comments on any of these things we'll we'll go all in one group the final thing Jadavian Clowney still unsigned (laughs) we are now 10 days before the start of the regular season and he's still unsigned so guys I'm going to turn all these three points to you uh, any thoughts that you guys have or, or general NFL thoughts this week? Anytime you get talent out of the AFC, that's great. So Ngakwe, good for you. <laughs> um, Leonard Fournette, I understand the don't let guys go after you pick them top five and they're still on a rookie deal, whatever it is, yada, yada, yada. Fournette hasn't been that great. Um, and we were talking about it before, so not to steal his point, but we were talking about this off air, but... It kind of shows the the gap from college to NFL, as Jace pointed out, when Fournette was an absolute beast in college, and he hasn't been that good. I I get it. I get the point of, like, oh, let him play out the contract, but if you want to move on from a guy who has also had some off-the-field problems, move on from him. I don't think there's any problem with that. And then Clowney, I'm just going to keep saying it, so Antonio, <laughs> just it's not happening, bud. You know? <laughs> Brian McFarland. Tim, they have so much cap space. Brian McFarland of Russell Street Report was on this podcast last week. A great interview with him that you can listen to now. Uh, just listen to the last episode, episode 44. We talked all about Earl Thomas. And Antonio and I clearly asked him, what do we think about Clowney? And the guy who knows the cap better than anybody not in that building said, that's not happening. They just they can't make that work. So, sorry. It's not. It's just not. It's okay. It's okay. It's just not happening. Dare to dream, Antonio. <laughs> uh, I, with Fournette, to Tim's point, I don't think it's a surprise he got cut. Um, what's more surprising is just how quickly that Jacksonville team has been dismantled. Team made the AFC title game in, in January of 2018, and there's like four guys still on that team from <laughs> from that. You know, all the big uh, all the big pieces are gone uh, for the most part. Um, so that's surprising. Um, yeah, and and Gakwe, he a terp. Um, another guy they from that team they sent out. Uh, you know the Vikings, him and Daniel Hunter, probably gonna rack up some sacks this year. So I'm glad the Ravens don't you know have to play him or them. So all in all, you know the Jags, they're uh, they're going all in for Trevor Lawrence. It seems uh, they saw what the Panthers are up to and said we raise you and got rid of all their decent players so yeah uh it'll be it's a it's gonna be a real race to the bottom and i think we'll uh uh 
next week, probably, when we do our over-unders, look at a few of those teams in the Trevor Lawrence Derby, because I am interested in a few of their numbers. (laughs) The Ravens finish this season with games at home against the Jaguars, at home against the New York Giants, and then on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. That is a tasty end of the year for a team trying to either solidify a playoff spot or grab the AFC North or or get a high seed uh, in the AFC. So the schedule looks great. Now you just got to play the games. Now you just have to execute. All right, last point, guys, on the NFL before we close out here. Want to look at just the the AFC-NFC standings as a whole. What playoff teams do you think? We don't have to go through the standings of every uh, every conference, every division here. I think that'll be sort of a mess. But seven teams, 14 total this year. What teams do you think make it into the playoffs this year? Oof, this is a tough one. Um, I was looking at this a little bit. I think we see, and I'm going to write these down as well, um, and we're going to keep these at the top of our little sheet here that we can update um, throughout. So if somebody could help me out and just fill mine in as I say them so I don't have to type and think at the same time. I am going to go, we'll start with the AFC. Baltimore Ravens. Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleat, never mind. Um, Indianapolis <laughs> Colts over the likes of the Texans, I think. Here, the spoiler alert, I think three teams are coming out of the AFC West. Um, I'm going to buy into <laughs> Drew Locke. So I'm going to go Kansas City Chiefs, the Chargers, led by Tyrod Taylor, maybe being the seventh team, and the Denver Broncos with the New England Patriots stealing that spot from the Bills. I think the you know what? Change that. Take the Chargers out. Bills are going in there instead. I can't do that to my Bills Mafia. So I've got Bills, Pats, Broncos, Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, and then the Indianapolis Colts as well. Um, in the NFC, oh, God, this is a crapshoot in the NFC. It really is. Uh, I'm going to go 49ers. I'm going to go Packers because the Jordan Love pick is really just going to motivate Aaron Rodgers to throw like 50 touchdowns rather than make him more upset and kind of throw his toys out the pram as they like to say i'm gonna go new orleans saints i gotta go dallas cowboys this is where this gets really tough i'm gonna go philadelphia eagles that's five and two more teams here i'll go with the seattle seahawks And the Carolina Panthers over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by Teddy Bridgewater. I think that I think Joe Brady is going to become that next look out for this guy guy. And maybe Christian McCaffrey after that new deal lights it up. So controversial pick at the end. I'll, I'll go Carolina to grab that last spot. That is a hot take, I think. But uh, stay tuned next week for my thoughts on that team. Uh, I will go. Um, in the AFC, I will go with the Ravens and Steelers out of the North, the Patriots and Bills out of the East, the Colts and Titans out of the South, and I will take the Kansas City Chiefs as the lone representative of the West. Wow, that's way better than mine instantly. I already hate mine. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the NFC, I am going with the Cowboys and the Eagles, the Packers and the Vikings in the north, um, the 49ers and the Seahawks out west, and then I am picking the New Orleans Saints 
as the lone NFC South team. Yeah, Stay I, home, I, Tom Brady. I, <laughs> I forgot all about that. I, I love Jace's, uh, Jace, your NFC there. I really agree with it. Looking at the AFC, I, I'm, I'm similar to Jace as well. The First of all, the AFC South is going to be a dumpster fire this season. Very strange. I, I, a team has to go to the playoffs from the AFC South. I guess it'll be the Colts. I, 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 Houston's going to be bad. I think the Titans are going to regress from their whole 9-7 and seven season. Anyway, I'll start from the top, though. The Ravens, I th- see three teams out of the AFC North. What was sort of talked about as a potential last season happening this season. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. Uh, I see the Colts out of the South. Uh, Kansas City out of the West. And then in the... I, boy, I didn't want to put them in there, but I'm going to put them... The Patriots and then the <laughs> Buffalo Bills coming out of the East. And don't ask me which one finishes first and who finishes second. As for the NFC, Jay, I, I really agree with Jace on this one. I think Minnesota, Green Bay out of the North. I may switch the two teams this year because I, I think the Packers are just primed for regression from that 13-3. and three. New Orleans out of the South. Uh, 49ers and Seahawks out of the West. And then, uh, ooh, does that mean I get to keep out the Dallas Cowboys? Philadelphia Eagles or Dallas Cowboys? Hmm. I'll say Cowboys. I'm going to go Cowboys. I, I wanted to keep them out, but I think the Eagles have also had a few off-season struggles and haven't quite <laughs> figured it out. With a team that should have been better multiple seasons in a row, Dallas, new coach there, finally figures out how to run a... Well, I say that, and then I remember... Who, who they have in McCarthy as their as their head coach who struggled yeah. with some some of the same the stuff. The number one offense by yards in the NFL last year, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they still managed to go eight eight. <laughs> so I, I, all right, I'll I'll stick with them. Dallas Cowboys uh, squeaking through in the NFC East. So that's it. We will uh, readdress these. Thank you, Tim, for for filling this out for us. We will readdress these maybe mid season and and certainly at the end of the season to see how wrong we all were. Uh, somehow in in predicting what is a difficult to predict NFL uh, year in year out last thing left to do answer this tricky random raven Tim why don't you give us these clues one more time yeah so uh, here we go the player was drafted in the sixth round of the 2008 NFL draft out of Cincinnati played for two teams in his career the Baltimore Ravens and those Carolina Panthers who the more I think about it the more I'm completely regretting that playoff choice in the 2010 <laughs> playoffs he intercepted Chiefs quarterback Matt Castle in the wild card round he did feature in 56 of 64 games in four seasons in Baltimore but he never got a start however when he moved to Carolina in 2012 a classic Baltimore Raven getting way too much money on the free agent market he started 13 times but that was his only season in Carolina the number he war is currently being worn by justice hill on one of ed reed's most famous plays that you can watch over and over again uh intercepting kevin cobb this player is annoyingly trying to get the ball pitched to him rather than block (laughs) for the hall of fame safety and just a fun fact here his parents karen and riozo were each competitive international judo competitors Uh, his irish american mother is a fourth degree black belt and his late japanese father was an eighth degree black belt in in judo so just thought i'd throw that in there too not that it's going to help also <laughs> here's another clue just if you don't have it yet the listening audience because i know my hosts do as well one of the just most fun names to say in raven's history i would think this random raven tim which you know the justice hill part actually threw me because just when i thought of a running back the number immediately went to something in the 20s 
and that sort of I got a little confused, but it's it's not a number in the twenties. It's a number in the forties, and it's Haruki Nakamura, legendary bit part time player for in that Ravens secondary. That would be it. That so is correct. I. That's the thing. I have no recollection of him being there into like 2010, 2011. Uh, Jason, so special part... teams helps you stay on a football yeah. team. How many episodes of Hard Knocks do we need to watch before we understand this? I know. Uh, it... Yeah, I actually rewatched that interception recently because it used to really annoy me. But I think at the very end, he. I still don't know why he didn't just block, but I do think at a certain point he realizes Ed's not going to pitch him the ball and then is telling him, like, run this way <laughs> to get away from him. It still doesn't really make sense, but I was, like, looking at what he was doing with his hands and I was like, maybe maybe he's telling him to just run that. It still doesn't really make sense. It is very confusing why he didn't just throw a block for, you know, one of, if not the greatest Raven of all time to take a 108-yarder to the house, but... <laughs> Either way, Ed got it done. Um, but yeah, no recollection of him being there that long. <laughs> That's going to do it for us this week. Full show, a lot of predictions, a lot of things I'm so excited to be so wrong about as the season unwinds. <laughs> but I think I speak for all three of us when I say we are ready for NFL football. So excited for the seasons to start. Next week, we will look at over-unders. It's going to be kind of gambling week next year. Uh, next week, we're going to talk over-unders. We're going to look at week one lines, and we are going to preview Ravens hosting the Cleveland Browns for week one of NFL football. For Jace Evans and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us. We will see you next week on Pod with the Ravens. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.